Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. In this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I have a conversation about how we use a scientific method to guide our teaching and treatment approach. We break down the key elements in the process of science, and we talk about some shortcomings of published research. Uh, we also talk about using logic, reason, and critical thinking as a base before you can apply science properly. This episode is sponsored by our travel partner, Nook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear at our seminars and workshops. You can check out their badass cases at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. This Shop Talk episode is also sponsored by tfc-shop.com. It's an online store that sells footwear that lets your feet function like they're supposed to with styles from some pretty good, uh, pretty awesome brands like Vibram, Vivo Barefoot, Shema Sandals, and Earthrunners. Uh, we also sell toe spreaders at tfcshop.com. And toe spreaders are something, are a, a pretty simple and inexpensive accessory to help you restore optimal toe alignment after spending time in narrow pointed shoes. Um, so when you t- spend time in narrow shoes, your toes start to curve inward towards the center of your foot, causing things like bunions and um, hip ish- or um, foot-specific issues, rather. So the toe spreaders are something you can put on at night. They spread out your toes. They help to offset and uh, offset those effects and improve your toe alignment. We also sell balance beams at tfcshop.com. Um, and each TFC balance beam is built using the most durable and lightweight materials. Uh, we powder coat them, which is a really durable finish. So these things are designed to be used as a piece of commercial gym equipment and never break down so they're they're kind of overbuilt but they last a lifetime um, and each tfc beam comes with access to a movement database of progressively more difficult movements so you can restore your hip stability starting with something as easy as balancing on one leg and working up to more complex challenges tuning your hips uh, and your hip stability specifically helps to open up the hips and ankles and gives you access to more strength with lifts uh, and also better technique with running uh, and, and in addition to injury prevention that's it for sponsors so let's get into it it's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet or the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick and Mike here from TFC. Welcome to Shop Talk episode number seven. Uh, and today we're going to just kind of have an open conversation about science and research. Um, compare the two, talk about how we use the scientific method to guide uh, what we teach and how we treat, um, and just talk about some of, you know, what we feel are shortcomings in um, some of the research literature and and the fact that research is important, but just kind of chatting about how how we can piece that into practice um, to make sure that we get the best outcomes. So hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Let's start. So, I mean, one thing is that in our seminar we always say that our approach is guided by science and not research, and that's probably a little bit too simplistic to pit them against each other like that. So I think let's let's start by um, let's start by de- just defining science and research. So science, you know, the scientific method. Let's even start there. Yeah. So the the scientific method it's something that got drilled into our head from an early age because we we both took the route of science in high school and then mm-hmm. um, going down into university taking biology. Um, basically, I, I don't know if you remember like the first course or the first few classes of every science course, it would like go over the actual scientific method. Yeah. And and it would just like, it's like slightly. every single year. And yeah. it was like, okay, we've learned this before, but which is important because it, that me, that basically forms a foundation to say that, you know, the professors aren't teaching you something where you should listen to them because they're the authority. They're saying, this is the method of science. This is how you determine objective truths and test them and make sure that they actually hold water instead of just, taking something at face value that someone tells you, which I think is exactly. so 
like the amount of people that tell me facts these days and then you ask where'd you hear about that and they're like oh google yeah or, or facebook it's like what since when did Google or Facebook become reputable sources of knowledge that you exactly. just spit out as facts? So I think so it's, it's, it's so the, easy these days. The tool, like it, it basically what it, what it defined is like the tool of science and how do we use this tool to come to conclusions on things. So basically it's you're, the biggest thing is we're, we're trying to test things in nature yeah. uh, and develop uh, truths. We're trying to come closer to getting objective truths on things in nature that we, we can observe mm-hmm. and study. So, so that's the big, that's well, the big even, thing. Even let's talk about truth. Cause even on the Rogan podcast the other day, Neil deGrasse Tyson was on there and he was comparing kinds of truth. And I can't remember the third one. He said three kinds, but two of them really, really resonated with me. Number one was an objective truth, which is where, you know, something is true, whether or not you believe in it, right? An objective truth is something that the methods and tools of science have proven to be an objective truth. Right. And multiple it, multiple studies and multiple yeah. different sources have also come to this exact same conclusion. Yeah, and he said no one scientific result is true until it's verified by, verified by other people with good quality science. And then the other truth that he mentioned was personal truth. And that's something like, uh, you know, heaven is a place that you go to when you die. That's a personal truth, right? It's not objective. It's not. Sh- it's, it could be shared by others, but it's not actually proven using the scientific uh, method. And I think a lot of what... A lot of the flack that we get is people who believe in a personal truth that contradicts the objective truth that we're that we're trying to put out there. Where mm-hmm. you know we're changing the way that we're looking at feet and treating feet and restoring hip and foot dysfunction. And if your personal truth is that orthotics are a good treatment method, whether it's because you're in that industry or you invested heavily for yourself, that personal truth goes against the objective truth of what we're saying, which is your feet function best barefoot. And I think that's a source of a lot of um, a lot of disagreements. Right. Exactly. And I think that brings us to, I think, the backbone of what science underneath science is this, the base of the pyramid should always be critical thinking, logic and reason. Yeah. So <laughs> which is missing in so many <laughs> stupid Instagram conversations. These oh, days. exactly. And it's just, I mean, social now, media is a weird, is a weird media to converse with because it's so impersonal. It's so you can just like you wouldn't go up to someone in the street and yell something in their face, but you can basically do that in, in social mm-hmm. media by putting everything in caps and saying something really controversial. It's exactly. so weird. But if, if you think about, so let's delve into the critical thinking science or uh, logic and reason, because that, mm-hmm. that is something that is in the grand scheme of humans existence. It's, it's an, it's a very, it's a new th- concept. Mm-hmm. And it's something that um, if you look at where the origins are, uh, Socrates, is actually kind of well known to be the first person who developed critical thinking mm-hmm. ways to actually look at things and critically think about things. Um, and it and was, science is the technology. Like, sorry to interrupt, but even <laughs> just thinking about it, science, the actual method of good quality science, is a technology that's very recent. Like you said, for sure, so we didn't always have. That's this. even after that. Yeah. But at the base of that is, is how are we thinking? So mm-hmm. basically, back in the times of Socrates. There were whatever, whoever was in the highest power, let's say it was the kings, mm-hmm. their word, that, w- that was the truth. Whatever the, the people in the highest power and the positions of power said, that was what went for everybody. That was taken so as the objective that truth. That was the objective truth. All the, all the peasants, basically it was some person 
random person decided what was true and what was not. Mm-hmm. And that was just trickled down to everyone below it. So you almost had to rely on just, you had to take it at face value. So that's yeah. where all these like weird, wacky ideas from people um, in ancient times came about. They'd believe in all these crazy things because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, somebody just told them that that was the truth. Yeah, it's appeal to authority. It's the same yeah. way that our monetary system is still done. But it's just, exactly. you're, someone's telling you something, you assume that that authority knows what they're talking about. So you believe what they're saying without any really... Uh, critical evaluation or, or, or rigorous testing of what they're actually saying. Exactly. So basically Socrates came in and he's like, well, we need to have a way of thinking about things that questions these beliefs, right? Mm. And and puts them through the rigor of critical thinking. And before it was even known as science, he's, he's saying that um, basically his method is keep questioning and try to find holes in these beliefs. And if you ask somebody enough questions, you'll find where they might be misrepresenting something based on other vested interests, um, beliefs that they got from somewhere, somewhere else. Um, and if that egoism, has, if that person is on the same page, like, I think I speak for you too. When I say when we're at seminars and people ask challenging questions, I like that. Oh, I for like sure. having our thinking and our way of doing things challenged so that I make sure it's a complete method. It's a complete system, right? Um, so if that person is actually interested in the truth, they should enjoy you challenging and asking good questions. Um, and I think, you know, when you get someone that gets emotionally upset at good rational questions it's maybe that tells you something about their motive or their background right you need long-form discussion like that and to really know to really get to the root of a topic you can't have these little like you said before with like instagram or other things um you need to talk somebody face to face or long form and and just get to the bottom of how somebody's thinking about things because once you delve deeper and deeper in that you can come to these areas like oh that's where you form that that belief we've delved 10 levels deeper and and it was yeah. we found a common ground where like it makes sense why you think that now but maybe if i explain it this way to you do you agree with this and if you can break that that 10 level deeper argument down uh, and they become on the same page as you then everything that you were arguing about before becomes common ground so a lot of these things are just we just need to like look at every stage of the argument and, and like, um, and that's where these, this deductive reasoning and this critical thinking skills comes into play. And I think that that's a big problem with, um, school, the school system is because a lot of people are just very poor thinkers and it's just, it's just the truth, right? Yeah. No one, you, you have to no one's seriously being taught how to be a good thinker. They're being no. taught how to be a good stuff. memorizer. They're, yeah. they're being taught stuff and facts, yeah. but they're not being taught how to actually, um, think about things and 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 see for themselves whether something is has sound logic behind it um and question things appropriately and then like i mean that's the other part of things is people have become these like these skeptics to the extreme that's not good either people are like well show me the studies show me the studies and it's like well no you, you've got to you've got to use this I mean, maybe we can get yes, into that that's later so true is there a baseline like, of logic first let's start yeah. with that yeah and it's like okay do you agree that the human body functions like this. Do you agree? You know, find points of agreement because I think everyone is so obsessed with finding points of disagreement. They actually get blinded and they get tunnel vision to not even looking for points of agreement, which creates a foundation for a good discussion. Exactly. Right? If, you're, if you're not even open to, if you're not even open-minded to being, to having your thinking challenged, then discussions go nowhere. They go nowhere. It just turns tribal. You, you versus mm. me. My goal is to beat you. My goal is not to find the truth. And that's a shitty way of doing things. And that's done so much now. Like it's like, yeah. you know, if you want to have an open conversation, I don't care if you're a, a you know, a pedorthic, I don't care. Like 
if we're all on the same team, we're all on team, help humans understand their bodies better and fix themselves. If you're not on and the discover team, the truth, if you're not on the team, I don't want to have a fucking talk with you. I don't want to discuss something with you because it's just going to create confusion. And if you are on the same team, then I want to have an open discussion. If we have very differing ways of thinking, let's find out where we agree, where we disagree, and let's actually critically evaluate whether what we disagree on who whose way of thinking is actually better based on the data that's available or just different and like just different and in yeah. many areas too there's multiple different ways to, to do things but yeah. i mean like if we don't if it's just this versus that and like you say if people are so emotionally charged and and all we're trying to do is just find what the truth is in any given thing and that's what science is there for science is just a tool to uncover truths of nature mm-hmm. and and again it's the tool can only be used it's just a tool it's how you use the tool Mm -hmm. this is what people don't understand because you can you can just as easily abuse the tool of science or Mm -hmm. abuse research which i see a lot of people doing these days because you can handpick you can handpick science you can uh, fudge numbers you can fudge statistics um you can create poorly and maybe we should delve into like well you can cherry you can cherry pick whatever results you want to prove and just on a note from before, like I, I was listening to a conversation the other day and two people were just going at it at each other's throats. And the actual premise of what they were disagreeing on, it was basically like me saying a square has four corners. And the other person was saying, no, a square has four sides. And they were butting heads and disagreeing. It's the same fucking square. Yeah. It's the same. You're saying the same thing. You're taking a slightly different look, but you're getting so obsessed with disagreeing with each other. You're not even understanding that you're talking about the same square. They have four sides and four corners. Mm-hmm. So, but like you said, research is a, or science is a tool. So let's get into that a little bit because science, people are like, so they're using the guise of science to try and show something that really is, is too simplistic to actually be true. Yeah. And so just to reiterate what we've talked about so far is that science is a tool underlying that tool is your ability to utilize the tool. Now you can be a shitty utilizer at the tool or you can be a good utilizer at the tool of the tool. So in order to be utilize the tool well, you need to develop very sound, solid, critical thinking skills, which use logic and reason um, to, to form your, your, your truth, right? And the truth. So it's, you need to use this to use science appropriately. And then science isn't the be all end all. It's that tool that we can then make um, other assumptions by using that tool. So it's, so I think that if we look at like one single one-off study, let's break down like one study. Mm -hmm. So if you look at a study, like science aims to develop, basically you take a hypothesis. So you have a, a question or something you want to study. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, you make you, a prediction, right? You, you ask make a, a prediction. You ask a question. Does, um, let's, let's give a, um, a, a sample hypothesis. Do, does conventional footwear disrupt how your foot functions? So that's mm-hmm. a question, right? So it's either um, conventional footwear does not disrupt how the foot functions or conventional footwear um, inhibits or creates a dysfunction in the foot. Those are the two kind of roots that you do. And then you can make basically some some predictions on that Yeah, based on other evidence that's currently out there, um, your own... And based on logic. And right? Based on logic. Based on a knowledge of physiology of the body to create this base baseline understanding of, okay, you can ask whatever question you want, but if it's a shitty question, the science isn't going to show you anything that's valid. No, exactly. Right? So ask a good question based on an understanding of how the body functions at a base level. Um, and then make sure the question is one that carries weight and is actually relevant. And then it's, is the question falsifiable too? You need to, you need to have a, like you say, a solid question that is falsifiable. Mm-hmm. From there, you need to carry about 
experiments. So that's how re- research is done, carrying out experiments on that hypothesis to deduce if it's if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk get into like you know whatever you find is it statistically significant you can run it through the gamut of st- statistics mm-hmm. and things like that to determine well is things. it good science right is if it, you're okay you make a prediction and then you test two people you can't preach that as an objective truth there wasn't enough people to actually yeah. test to see and were they the right people right are you trying to apply this result to all human populations but you only studied two people that already have a disease and already have a problem that's probably not a good sample of people to be able to deduce this objective truth that you're preaching as applicable to everyone okay so so let's go into that too because so we took a whole class in uh physical therapy school and it was on research methods and i don't know you remember that class so yeah basically because it was it was one of the most boring dry classes ever super boring but we understand the importance of it now we understand the importance and what that class taught me is that however boring it was taught me i didn't want to be in research it taught me first of all (laughs) i didn't want to be in research what it also taught me is that the class basically said in a in a pleasant way a lot of research is garbage. That's what the yes, class pointed because it made us delve into the the nuts and bolts, right into the you know the thick of things in in terms of studies that we'd go home with each week, mm-hmm. and then we'd meet as a group uh, on a weekly basis and say, okay, let's break this study down. Let's check this, out the methodology. Yeah, the, the, how did they design it? What was the question that they asked? Mm-hmm. How did they design the study? What were the participants in the study? Um, let's talk about how did that, they. Let's just talk about a little premise here of why that's important. Why? Because most people, the way they consume research literature, I would say the vast majority, including health professionals, is they look at a study, they read the abstract, they read the results, and they take it as they take it at face value that that is the truth. Exactly. They don't even look at the methodology. And we even we're just talking about this. Why is a conclusion even listed on a read? Shouldn't you be? A, shouldn't it be up to you to determine the conclusion based on the data set and the methodology? Exactly. The conclusions often, like you say, the most the thing that people. Read and then they they just go from there at, and take yeah. it at face value. Um, but if anything, it should be the only thing that you don't read yeah. because you should read the the rest of the study and determine mm-hmm. yourself whether you whether the study was designed well, whether it even applies to you, the, mm-hmm. the population. Let's go into that after. Like what what things can go wrong in terms of looking at a study mm-hmm. at a baseline level. But again, if you should make up the decision whether whether this applies to you or not, um, or what you what you can take from that study, and then you should also apply what that study showed you versus all of the other studies on that same subject. Because again, one study shows you nothing. Mm-hmm. Multiple studies, all showing the same thing, reproducible through multiple populations, multiple different times over multiple generations, that starts to show you something. That starts to ref- kind of confirm an objective truth like we talked yeah. about. And like, please people do not quote a research study on Instagram. It is not the right platform or environment to bring up a very deep conversation by just saying, oh, this study showed this. So everything you're saying is false. Like it's, it's not the right environment. I just want to add that in there because yeah. so many people do it. We don't really address comments because there's too many and there's too many silly ones, to be honest. Um, but but I, I think people have to understand it's not the right environment to bring up this yeah. massive research study that disproves what you're saying because it's probably a bit too simplistic of a viewpoint and it's just not the right medium. And if it's just one study, like you say, it could be yeah. it could be anything. Like show me the actual study. Yeah. The study could say anything. And then like the headlines that people – that then it spins off into the, the world of like uh, scientific – um, reporting, and then that's a whole other can of worms that says like they'll take this headline and spin it into this other thing yeah. uh, in, in a newspaper, and then people are like, oh shit, like then the the, the average day to day person, yeah, reads oh it bacon like, gives you cancer, yeah, bacon <laughs> gives you cancer, prime example, uh, yeah, it, it's like oh, uh, like it's just it's anything at that point. But let's let's go back to just a few basic things when you're looking at a study. The 
one thing we talked about so far is the design of the study. So like, yeah. how is it? Cause some studies are beautifully designed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes the, it takes a really good scientist again to, to use the tool of science to actually create like, like you'll read some studies before in, in our former training. You're like, wow, that it was so well designed that this conclusion makes so much sense because, yeah. um, it was just like there are magicians, scientists who can design studies well are magicians. Some scientists, uh, I would argue that a lot of scientists are, are just terrible at that. So are they actually like, how are they designing the study? What's um, their motive for the study also? Like if you're just doing research for the sake of getting a grant to get paid to do work. Yeah. Um, but you're like, what's your motivation for doing research? That's another thing that it, it's usually not going to say that, right? They'll list conflicts of interest in a research study, but you know, sometimes you you have to look for people that you have an intrinsic belief that they are good scientists and they have good motives. Like Daniel Lieberman, Irene Davis, find scientists that are really good at evaluating um, a research study because they have a science background. It's what they do. They're PhD professors in research. And if you can find someone that you agree with, you know, their ethics, their motivations, then you can look to them to decipher. And basically, you know, I look to Daniel Lieberman to translate what the bulk of the research is saying into... Um, you know, a, a tangible piece of information. And then we basically preach that at our seminars. Exactly. Because one of the cruxes of science is it, it needs to be unbiased by nature mm. of it. Good science is always unbiased. If there is any sort of bias involved in it, um, when money gets involved, all these other mm. things, then then things can go really astray. And then we got to question whether it's even um, exactly. applicable in the first place. So, and some people don't even realize, I think, they're biased. Like these, these uh, what's the word for that? And um, I don't know. Confirmation bias or confirmation bias. Well, just subconscious bias. Like if you don't even know you have a bias, but you, you know, I think, I think that's a thing too, right? It's like, these people aren't bad people. They're not evil people trying to tell you false information. But I think sometimes if you go into a research trying to prove something or, or your current, it's very hard to be unbiased. It's like egotistical it's, it's, bias. It's extremely hard. If you're, yeah, if, if your personal truth, your whole life has, has led you to down this path and you're, you're studying this, then it's, like you say, it can be so deeply ingrained that what seems to be a, an objective truth is really still a personal truth because yeah. you're looking at it through an, an egotistical lens. Or you're trying to make your personal truth an objective truth. Yeah. Which is nothing at its core. There's, okay, that's fine. But if that gets in the way of doing good science, that's where the problem lies. So the other thing is like study group. So who who's being studied? Mm-hmm. Um, so... A lot of research is actually done using, if you look into it, it's like, who is study? Well, university students who wanted a $10 <laughs> yeah. uh, Starbucks card, right? <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, sweet. I'm getting a 10 or I'm getting a donut. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. So it's like. Yeah. I've done a oh, lot of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, if, you're, if you go to university, you can participate in these studies yeah. and they give you things. And it is what it is. But again, you're studying a, an age group mm-hmm. uh, of people with certain characteristics. They're in one space. They're uh, in one age cohort. They're usually um, sleep deprived. They're usually eating like <laughs> shit. They're usually sitting all day. So yeah. like, is it, okay, do you want to, you can probably extrapolate those results to students, yeah. um, university students, but does that apply to like the day-to-day person? No, exactly. And there's probably a lot, but like, let's be frank, there's probably a lot more parallels than we think because most people are sleep deprived, sit all day. <laughs> but, but true. You know? it, but it's, it is also like you're studying 18 to 22 year olds. It's yeah. like, um, there's very limited. That's a factor. You, you can't That's necessarily, uh, yeah, it's a factor. Yeah. And then there, or if you look at other studies where they take a certain age group or, you know, you're studying elderly, um, or whatever it is, you're studying a specific population. Can you extrapolate those results to, to other scenarios? And, and maybe you can, maybe you can't, maybe you can to some extent. It's hard to say, but these are, this is where it gets really complex. Um, the other thing is like, what, 
what implementations are they using in the study? So I've read, I've been so frustrated reading like physical therapy studies in the past because basically the the title of the uh, article will say like, you know, just just physical therapy, physical therapy versus um, so and so other modality in correction of so and so. Oh man, that's so, so frustrating. So it's like okay, and then they'll they'll say like, well, we found that physical th- like sometimes it's like physical therapy worked. Sometimes it's like, well, it didn't perform better than so and so other modality. But but then what you is look your at definition of physical therapy. But I think exactly, that's a bigger question. Then you look deeper. Yeah. So again, you take that at face value, and they're like, oh, people, oh, physical therapy doesn't work. Okay, well, what did they do? So yeah. once you look deeper, then it's like, oh, participants were given um, like one stretch, one exercise, and they were given like uh, a TENS machine for like uh, five minutes a day. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is that? So That's that not... sham therapy. It was... Should be so yeah, it therapy. wasn't even physical therapy. So yeah. what, what are we... What are we... Uh, we're not on the same page with that. So that is garbage. So, yeah. so most of the studies I read on like physical therapy interventions are... are or a lot of them at least are just garbage because the actual implementation is garbage. And and it's, so it's like, well, what do we take from that? Well, nothing, right? Because yeah, exactly. that's poor physical therapy. And then you can apply that to other areas as well. It's like, what are we actually doing to the study participants in the study? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it gets also very complex when you, well, when you talk thing. about it's that. Same, let's talk about feet because I, I remember reading a study that said, okay, physical therapy for to correct foot dysfunction versus orthotics. Same thing. You look deeper. What is physical therapy for feet? It was like rolling a towel and it, it was ultrasounding your plantar fascia. Like it was a joke. It wasn't. Yeah. That's not actually effective physical therapy or that's not actual. <laughs> for like six weeks. Yeah. Like do it three times a week. Study participants did it for three times a week for six weeks. And then they were also tested at 12 weeks in like one year. Yeah. Uh, but it's like you don't. There's just no rigor in that. And uh, And here. Okay. This is a good point, too, because I think. When we're doing research on the human body, we're trying to tease out single variables from a immensely multivariable organism that's mm-hmm. extremely complex. So let's mm-hmm. hear, this is probably a good example. That exact same study tests physical therapy versus orthotics. Neither of those things take into account, for example, what kind of footwear is that person wearing? Exactly. So if you work on your feet 20 minutes a day and you spend eight hours a day in shitty shoes that deform your feet and prevent any mobility, do you think there's going to be any significant results, right? Like, exactly. The, like the biggest thing that we preach to people in our seminars is it has less to do with adding new shit for you to do to fix your body and has more to do with changing than taking away the negatives that are already in your lifestyle. You're right. So it, it just, it's so, it simplifies an extremely, uh, I wouldn't say complex, but it, it is it complex. goes much more deep, right? It, it doesn't have to be complex. It's fairly simple, right? Which is why I don't like using the but, word complex, but it is complex. You're right. The human animal is is just com- is complex. It's yeah. just uh, an unbelievably complex because like every single person is doing has their own life and they're doing their own different things. There's so by nature there's so many confounding variables at all times when you're doing so Stein's a, a research study is trying to study a couple variables. So they're trying to isolate these variables and dial them down, which is required sometimes. Which is required. Like we're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater saying that all science is shit. We're just saying Let's take a bit of a let's let's look a bit deeper and, and evaluate this a little bit better. Oh, science is an amazing tool. So we need to say like, how can we get better at like looking at science and being critical um, when we look at science and seeing it, where we can apply it and whether we can use science as not just looking at one headline of a scientific article and saying that's the truth, mm-hmm. but looking at where does that fit into the big picture? How is that study done? Is it even relevant? Um, what population is studied? All of these different things that are very like you don't even have to be a stati- statistician to to go into these things. They're baseline little things that yeah. if you if you're interested in the topic, you you could or if you have some baseline knowledge, you can you can be pretty good at looking at these things and, and be, be like open, oh be open minded but be rigorous 
course in the way you you take in knowledge. So if you if you've got multiple different variables at at hand and you're trying to study one or two variables, like you say, it just makes it very very hard because I might be like you say studying let's say orthotics versus non-orthotics. What is that person doing for the rest of the day? Are yeah. they on their feet? Um, how, how much? You know, how much do they weigh? What shoes are on their feet? What's their life like? What's their lifestyle like? What's their pain tolerance? That's a whole different thing because a lot of these like studies in our field um, use pain as one of the the major metrics, and uh, that is not good because what pain is just so subjective, Mm -hmm. and it's so crazy because we use things like pain scales and stuff like that. But if pain is one of your main metrics in the study, already we've got to question things because I'm seeing people. People's perception of pain is just completely different, right? My favorite that, is what's your what's your pain level from zero to ten? Oh, it's twelve. It's like, dude, you can't even stay within the scale within the scale I gave you. How am I supposed to take that as actually legit? I think the rule of thumb for for what we see is that um, the people who say they have the highest pain tolerance or say they have a high pain tolerance, it's almost like a red flag that goes off and yeah. saying like they probably don't. But anyways, that's that's kind of opening up a whole other bag of worms. Yeah. Um, pain is subjective and a lot of things are also subjective. So I think this, the, the other thing is subjectivity in general, but the, what conclusions can be drawn from, from certain things? And mm-hmm. that's where we, we just came full of course is like you study something, you get information, you break it down. Um, okay, here's the information. Now, what is that? What are, where does that fit into the grand scheme of things? And that's where we need to be better at looking is like, where does this fit in? Mm-hmm. Does it doesn't say you, it it doesn't give you anything. It gives you some some stuff. The the tool of science spewed out some stuff, some mm-hmm. information, and you it's up to you to apply it correctly at this point. Yeah, and let's talk about like even um, so less research literature based science and more empirical science. So you know how did this whole thing with the Foot Collective started? Well, it started with the realization that everybody's feet are messed up, and we kind of have the null hypothesis wrong, right? Like I think. Most people take the null hypothesis as you're proved to me that going barefoot is better than wearing shoes. Okay, that's most people's base. That's their like base foundation for most of their arguments. And it's like, well, let's evaluate that a little bit. We've been wearing shoes in the current iteration as the way they're currently built for about 50 years with lots of support, lots of cushioning, all that shit. Um, We've been barefoot for millions of years. So why isn't the null hypothesis our feet function best barefoot? Prove to me that wearing shoes is better for your feet. So I think people's argument is almost skewed right at the get-go. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like I said, we started this by saying people's feet are messed up. The more we started to look at people's feet, the more we realized that most people have messed up feet, whether they have pain or symptoms or not. Um, and the way we're treating feet in, in terms of creating in terms of fixing foot dysfunction is wrong. We need to be kind of thinking about this a little bit differently, thinking about how the hip affects the foot, thinking about how footwear, especially, and conventional treatment like orthotics affects the foot um and so our science was start with ourselves clinical right? science clinical science and and you're you're patient zero i i think you know when when we start doing anything new with patients i i think you and me both share the same mindset that we're gonna try it on ourselves first i think that's an important point that i people a lot of a lot of that would be disc a lot of that is discounted it, like there's this worship of clinical research these days so yeah. it's like a, it's this worship where you'll see people like, where's the study showing that? Yeah. I just want to touch on that before. It's like, just because there is a, not a study showing something doesn't mean that that thing doesn't exist. Yeah. And just because there is a study showing something doesn't mean that's the, the, the truth either. And because, research costs money. So exactly. unless there's someone paying money to do a study, which 
automatically makes it so that there's a slight bias. Because why are you paying for that study? Are you just paying for fun? Because that's not usually the case. Do no, you exactly. have this ulterior motive? Not necessarily. And, and I think you don't want to, you know, throw away all research because of that. Because it's very easy to do that. Oh, studies cost money. So if you're paying for something, you probably have a motive. But it's like, as long as a person paying is looking to discover a truth and not looking to prove their opinion, then there's a lot of good science. Exactly. And I think in future, you know, it's going to be... You know, one thing with TFC that, that we want to do in future is cultivate comp- like footwear companies like Vibram or Vivo Barefoot. Um, you know, if if all of the footwear manufacturers in the world gave $10,000 to do a unbiased research and someone that was unbiased was overseeing that and was like, we want to determine what the best thing for the human foot is in terms of footwear. That would be really cool research mm-hmm. because you could literally show and demonstrate. Problem is that most footwear companies aren't going to do that. It's going to disprove most of their products. Exactly. Um, so, but, but we need good research. And, and the research. We just don't have the resources to do it right now. But eventually a big part of the Foot Collective will be fund objective research to show the truth, to determine yeah. the objective truth. And set it up in, in very robust ways that, yeah. that demonstrate real interventions that, that actually – uh, so again, that's getting to, into the, the rigor part of it again. But I think back to that that point of like n equals one n of one research, like yourself. Okay, so that's a good place that's to start. start. That's a great place to start. If you try it on yourself, it doesn't work. There's no point in testing it further because maybe you're, there is. Yeah, if it's, you're kind of on the fence, but if it directly, if you don't feel an objective change, I don't know about you, but if it doesn't work on me, I'm not usually going to start doing it with other people. And and that is so that is if you use scientific thinking, logic and critical thinking and do an experiment on yourself, mm-hmm. that is you you should take that into account. Like that that's important. That is that is not like you don't need a research paper to be published in order to be in order for it to be sound scientific um, principles that are being yeah. used. So if you and again, that Maybe is actually you can apply it as an objective truth right away, but you can apply it as a, a, person, truth, a personal, a personal truth, truth that you discovered that yeah. has the potential to be an objective truth exactly. if other people's data backs up and is aligned with the results that you got. And then if we take that a step further, so you're using yourself as n, n equals 1, then clinical research. So that is something that, as a clinician, we do research day in, day out on clients that are coming to us in terms of, you know, in, in our stand, standpoint, the physical body, physical therapy. So mm-hmm. we, we see clients, we assess them, and then we intervene with certain, we measure things, we intervene with certain things, and then we keep measuring things to yeah. see how things are going. Assess, intervention, reassess, was there a change? Did it exactly did over different timelines come true? Okay, this person has messed up feet. I think I'm going to measure how to quantify their feet. Maybe I measure their ankle mobility. I measure their ability to support an arch with load, whatever it is. You take some metrics. Strength measures, yeah. um, pain scales, like we talked about. There's different things we would take. There's sub, um, so, yeah, it's like you test on day one. You you put them through the gamut of interventions, hoping that they do their part, but definitely doing their part when they see you. You keep testing things, and you see how things go. Then you get patterns over time. So, like, if you put one patient through things and, and something didn't work, you put another and it did, you start to develop this this big container of um container of ideas so or this you, you start to develop these these patterns that start to give you a clinical truth and again that's just using that same scientific method um you know in the in the exact same way it's just you're not doing it in the avenue of like um conventional research right mm-hmm. but just because that that should that should inform you maybe it's not um it hasn't been put through the rigors of these these other things like conventional research but it's just as informative, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, this over time, it's just, 
that's what people don't people don't get. Um, the the other thing is that well, let's talk. And the other thing too is standardization of what we're measuring. Yeah. Right. Great cook had a great thing. He said, if you're not assessing, you're guessing, and it's so true. So how do you find these? standardized tests like for ankle range of motion for example quantifying how much ankle range in, uh, ankle range of motion you have so that you have something to retest um, the beam is a magical tool to assess hip stability because you can't fake it you can't cheat right stand on the beam don't look down at your feet and see how long you can balance on one leg and retest that after working on opening up the hip muscle like it's it's a very honest screen and honest test even though it's so so simple um, so finding those things to measure and, and that you can reassess later on that are actually true right that are actually um measuring what they're they're valid uh, they're actually testing what they're supposed to test you know these are important things to to not forget because you can say okay i'm going to assess i'm going to intervene i'm going to reassess if your assessments aren't actually consistent then mm -hmm. you're missing out on some quality there in terms of the science exactly so 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 clinical research has merit um if you're doing it if you're using very robust standards and you put yourself to these high standards. So that's something you should definitely take into account. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that like, because people think that there's not just like a study for everything. That's what kind of, you can make like these really good conclusions and, and that, that are correct. Like let's, let's say I said when you squat and like I put it up post, like if you do a squat and your knee caves in, you can't control your knee, you're more likely to tear your ACL. So that's just mm -hmm. like an example. So I remember somebody was like, well, where's the study to show that? Yeah. So hey, we're going to go out and tear 10 people's ACLs to prove to you. But, it's like logic people. Come no, on. but there might, there might be a study, but I, I'm, but you could also find it through other studies. Like just because there's not a specific study saying that specific thing doesn't mean we can deduce like there's other studies showing like strength test of people's glutes or, or put or movement tests showing that like through a season, um, somebody's more likely to tear their ACL if they like the FMS has done good tests, but it's just like, just because there's not a specific study in something you're saying doesn't mean mm -hmm. you can find all these other studies that can help build your argument to, to say that like, okay, yeah. we should probably look at that. And then that person discounts it. Well, that's not true because there's no study saying that. So, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. That's this, this weird thing that science it is the holy grail of truth, not specific research. Studies. Exactly. So it's, yeah, is what you're saying based on, like we said at the start, the backbone of a rational, logical argument with a, with a, you know, a base understanding of physiology of how the body works. Because if you don't have that, then you can ask a ton of questions and play devil's advocate. But like, there's some in, there's some intuitive understandings that we assume people have when we put in information, right? That they oh, exactly. understand at a base level how the human machine works, not super deeply, but at least to a level where it's like, if you don't move a joint, a joint gets stiff. That's an objective truth that I think most people in the rehab industry will agree on. If yeah. you don't load a muscle, the muscle gets weak. I don't have to show you research to show that that's true. Like you should it have is. a base understanding of how the body adapts to loads that you expose it to. And so we I think, can go into the research, but there's no, like you say, yeah, that's like, it's like, do we need I, to? I shouldn't have to, you know, like to say, if you say orthotics make feet weaker and stiffer, I shouldn't, you know, and people say, oh, how so? Yes, it's valid to say, okay, well, orthotics limit motion of the joints of your foot. Limited motion equals stiffness over time. Orthotics exactly. reduce the ability for the muscles of your foot to have to support its own structure. That means if muscles aren't working, they're going to get weak. Like the, those, it, only when someone is blinded by trying to serve their personal truth will, will they object to those points. And I sh we shouldn't have to go that deep to just use that as the base logic. And that's why, you know explaining it to people in words like that and then hearing how many really really smart people in the rehab and health world are still preaching orthotics as a way to correct foot dysfunction these people aren't evil people trying to hurt people and make them not improve or get better they're just misunderstanding 
they're, they're taking an isolation approach to the body, which requires an integration approach always, right? Part A is connected to part B. If you, if you don't take that into account, you are not doing, you're not preaching good knowledge. You're not doing due diligence in terms of science. And then the grand scheme of things too, like all of health is the same thing. You need to take, you can't isolate things down, um, to a fine point you need to actually look at the grand scheme of things because all mm-hmm. these other things everything affects everything yeah. in terms of that's why the, the human organism is complex because everything affects everything and it always will affect everything so i mean that that's something that we've got to take a step back from the specific getting so deep into the research and and looking at these the complexities of things and, and it's just by nature that's hard to study some things are just very hard if not close to impossible to study when it, when it comes to things like the interaction of everything in the human body, you, you, it's, it's very hard to make objective truth statements about something when, when you're dealing with the complexity of humans. Yeah. You're always going to find exceptions. There's always going to be outliers. Like yeah. when we're, and I think even another thing to, that's important to put out there is when we put information out on social media, we are talking about the 95%. Okay. We're not talking about the one, the zero 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 or zero point zero 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 one percent of people that have a genetic deformity whose chromosomes are in some way, shape, or form abnormal, which resulted in an abnormality in their foot. You know, we're not going to talk about how to treat clubfoot because not very many people have clubfoot. We're going to talk about the global things of you know, open up your hips because we all spend too much time sitting. That's a more relevant topic to us. So yes, there's always exceptions to the rule, and we exactly. are talking about the ninety five percent, which people need to understand that because. It's a source of a lot of confusion, I think, disagreement, where people are like, oh, yeah, but, well, yeah, we agree there's a but. There's always going to be a but, because there's so many variables in the human body. But in general, this statement holds true for 95% of people that are having issues with their feet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. I just want to bring up the one study that that kind of hit me, hit home with what, everything we're talking about today so far. It's this statin study that, um, <laughs> so. Yes, good thing to bring up. Basically, it was called the Jupiter study, and... This is this just shows you how like how influential studies can be in terms of how everything is done. So statins are this is a great illustration of the state of our health system right now. Also, oh, exactly. Side note before we talk about this. So basically, statins are drugs to help control and lower cholesterol levels in the human body. So, yeah. um, back how many the, people are on statins? Also, it's one of the note, if you yeah. ask patients, the amount of people that are on high blood pressure meds Still. is astounding. Still, and so they're still on it now. Basically, there's the research shows that it's it's the that like it's the complete wrong thing to do, and <laughs> and it's so the fact that and guess what? So most doctors are still if you have, and it also shows you the lag time between research and clinical practice too. Yeah. So it's like like something that's been disproven in the research, and I think it was in 2010 or 2009 where they really debunked this this main study that a lot of people were, wow. were looking at. So it's been it's been almost 10 years now. Wow, that's crazy. Um, that's a huge leg. That's a big problem. In, in the day and age of the internet, 10 years from when something was debunked and it's still being practiced oh, in exactly. a cutting-edge field like medicine where if you're not up to date in two years, you're way behind. It was actually, yeah, 2010. Wow. In, uh, Eight years. The, yeah, a study by Lorgoril et al. Um, debunked this major statin study that was like the main one that a lot of people were using. So give um, the close notes on the premise of this study. So basically, statins are drugs that help lower cholesterol. The yeah. the question was, does cholesterol cause heart attacks? And this, this main study showed... Basically, the, the thinking was cl- high, having high cholesterol, they're correlating high cholesterol to having 
heart attacks or heart issues. And correlation and causation. causation. Like Greg Gross said this at Perform Better too. He's like, did you know that um, when people sell ice cream, they commit more crimes? And it's like, oh, okay. That's correlation. Uh, It's not because ice cream causes people to commit crimes. It's because they both happen in the summer and people don't want to go out and rob people in the winter. It's too damn cold. So it's like, you know, that's a good illustration. That was a good illustration when he said that because it's, you can't say that. You can't make correlation seem like it's causation. It causes big problems. Exactly. So it doesn't mean stop selling ice cream and we're going to stop crime. It, does, it doesn't work <laughs> that way. So, so yeah, statins are this basically a class of drugs that inhibits liver enzyme responsible for producing cholesterol. Yep. Now, what we find now is that cholesterol is actually very, very important for things like sex hormones, yeah, hormone production it. in general. Precursor. It's a precursor. So <laughs> not only are statins not effective at treating heart disease, but actually, they're actually doing the opposite. They're actually harming us. But, I don't even think we know what reducing your cholesterol is actually doing long term in no, terms exactly. of like the negatives. So people are put on this, it, and it became this drug that was prescribed because this study showed. Here, here's the Coles notes on the study. Also, who funded the Jupiter study? Is that out there? We'll, we'll get it. We'll get to that. Okay, yeah. perfect. <laughs> so basically, the Jupiter study showed that when using statins, there were they studied this big group of people, 8,900 participants, and what they showed was that the relative reduction relative risk reduction in having a heart attack they published was 58 percent lower relative risk in having a heart attack okay. when you were on statins versus not on statins okay crap. so that looks great that everyone's like holy crap that's these are magic drugs yeah so if you take that like we were talking about if you take that number and you look and say okay this was a research paper they had a lot of study uh, participants this is what they found perfect that's yeah. the truth let's give statins Boom. printed in the newspapers printed yeah. to everybody <laughs> so but what if you if you look a little deeper what relative risk means is that if, if you look at the actual breakdown of the numbers 8900 participants so 68 of the control group had a had a heart attack 68 out of those 8900 okay and 31 um who were on the statins had a heart attack so it was the number was 68 versus 31 out of 8900 Okay, so so the relative risk, if you actually break it down, you're only 0.7% chance of having a heart attack when you were off statins and 0.35% chance of having a heart attack when you are. So the, there's like really, there's so it's less not, than... It's not even statistically significant zero, to the zero, point where you can say this actually shows us something. No, And yet nothing. they use the relative risk number as a very like fucked up way of trying to sugarcoat and show whatever they wanted to prove basically they said because all they published is like hey look in our control group 68 uh people who weren't on statins 68 people had heart attacks and people who were on statins only 31 did yeah out of 8900 8, <laughs> 9, <laughs> so do the study again you'll probably get totally you could get the total opposite numbers if you did that study again that's how insignificant those results are exactly so so basically, it showed that less than one half of one percent was the risk for not for not taking statins. Not fifty eight percent. And basically, what they also showed is that not only that, the amount of side effects that the statins had in the people taking the statins were were causing a plethora of problems that the people who didn't take it, who didn't even have any risk of heart attack, anyways, weren't getting. <laughs> so by taking these statins that you had to take for life, you were not reducing your chances of heart attack, but you were having a whole slew of, of side effects, and you had to take this drug for life and all the things we don't even know about. And you're spending all the money to take these drugs. Exactly. So then we find out that the a company called AstraZeneca, who makes the satin drugs, uh, was the, the major source of funding for this study. Oh. 
big so, surprise. Big, big surprise there. So the, the weird thing is that this was done in 2008 when the study was published. Um, statins are one of the most vastly prescribed. I had the number. I, f- I forget it. But it's in the, in the billions of dollars that um, the, the amount of statin drugs that are prescribed to people to this day. And it's one of the major Still. drugs. It's like one of the most common drugs that are prescribed. Oh. So, what, so what you see is that, that there's, my brain. there's that no robust my brain. research. And what they're also studies after that I've been showing is like, again, all these other side effects and all the other um, things that it can potentially do harm to your body are actually really um, taking hold. And it's like, we're, we're, we're consuming a drug that is actually making us worse off, not reducing a risk of heart attack. Man, Netflix needs to do a documentary and show and like use that as an illustration of the state of our medical system where pharmaceutical companies run what our doctors do and yeah. doctors learn more about drugs, which half the time don't do shit and actually make you worse off than yeah. they do about how much sleep should you get? What should you be putting in your body in terms of diet? Like those are important pillars and they're exactly. not talking about and instead they're prescribing statins and told why they're effective when a huge like it does and like we don't, we're not research scientists. But we can take that those uh, results and, and and what they said there and determine that it's bullshit. Oh, and and like doctors that are that we talk to, a lot of them are up and up in this. But but most people still aren't. You go into an yeah. average doctor's office, and you'll still to this day be prescribed statins if you have. Um, you know, a high cholesterol level. So again, we're measuring one simple metric yeah. and then prescribing a drug based on that simple metric saying it's going to help your heart disease. Guess what? We're not looking at all these other complex variables um, that can be broken down into simple things. Like like you say, how, how is this person eating? Before we prescribe yeah. them statin drugs, how, what's their diet look like? And Are they getting not sleep? not even talking about why. Okay, even if cholesterol, high cholesterol was a problem and statins were effective, you could give people statins, but maybe figure out why their cholesterol is high instead of just giving them this bandaid that covers all the problem. Again, it's it's ra- it's, it's the exact same thing. It's it's not getting to the root cause. It's saying we're testing one simple thing, one single thing, and then we are prescribing something based on that one single thing while ignoring everything else. And that actually applies well to the orthotics thing because it's like, hey, we're we're testing one simple thing. Hey, I have foot pain. Okay, foot pain equals per, um, prescription of orthotics, and then we're ignoring all these other things in the background that are that are causing it. Yeah. And then we we find it's the it's the exact same and parallel. What are those orthotics doing? They're making your foot even worse, even though they're giving you temporary relief. Exactly. It's it's the same uh, what that Jupiter study is showing because if you do delve into the actual research on orthotics, like we ta- covered in uh, in uh, the episode two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. There's no science to back it up. Yeah, there's no good science. So, no so good it's science. the exact same parallel. Go in with foot pain, get orthotics. That's the that's the solution. Ignore all of these other confounding variables that are that should be addressed to actually fix the, fix the root cause of the problem. And ignore a base understanding of physiology. If a joint doesn't move, it gets stiff. If a joint if a muscle's not used, it gets weak. Basic physiology. Basic premise to why orthotics don't work. Exactly. It's like I saw this thing that said orthotics don't always work. And I was like, no, that should say orthotics always don't work because it's not even attacking the problem. It's not attacking the problem. And they might help with with pain and things like that. But like, again, we're, our indicators are just faulty. Yeah. And, like, and if you're thinking of anything but long term when you're a health professional, you're, you're doing shit wrong. Right? Exactly. That's what I'm basing what I just said on is long term orthotics always don't work. Short term, if you're talking about tomorrow... Sure, maybe they might work. feel better if the little pressure point puts in your pushes in your plantar fascia and distracts your brain from the fact that it's fired up. It's like that doesn't mean it's a good. And what do they work? Term. What are they? What is our definition of work? So yeah. if if our, if our definition of work is decreased pain, so the definition of of work in this statin study was, hey, these these studies. It works because it lowers your cholesterol. Yeah. If with orthotics, it's like okay, it works because it it may temporarily reduce pain. Um, Once again, but single that, variable. Single it variable. works because it reduces your cholesterol. 
is cholesterol even a good thing to reduce? <laughs> is high cholesterol a problem? And what is all the other shit that it causes that are negatives? Those yeah. are all ignored. Exactly. It's like, come on. So it's the same thing. What are we studying? And and what I think we our definition of work should be. Um, we should have a higher standard of what work means yeah. for different things, and, and it's a general, first. it's a general topic. But like, what does work mean? Does work mean that it temporarily relieves uh, some sort of pain while not addressing the root causes of it that might be still compounding in the background yeah. over time? I wouldn't say that's a good definition of work. I think no, I would I say agree. that's a the definition of, of not work. So, yeah. um, I think I think we just the the big point that we want to get across today is like we need to like the science. We live in the age of information, so. There's so much information out there, yeah. and I think we live in a time where we have the most access to information that we've ever had. But and we the all, least ability to exactly. think critically and filter information the, it's, for what's good and what's bullshit. That's the thing. So the most information, but it's the hardest to, to get to find good information. Yeah. There's so much information out there that, mm-hmm. that people are very – it is everybody. Everyone's in the same boat. It's very – it's hard because we're being bombarded with all these things. Oh, this study shows this. Oh, this study showed the opposite thing. Oh, uh, this study showed that. It's like, okay, well – There needs to be a higher standard. There needs to be a higher saying. standard, and we need to re- go back to some of these baseline – base of the pyramid things like developing critical thinking skills developing using, logic using reason good scientific method using the yeah. socratic method of trying to not not always try and prove shit wrong but at least give it due diligence to ask enough questions to make sure that it's actually valid exactly right? like just look into it use logic and i think you know to bring this full circle if we talk about tfc and how we determine what we teach in our courses the reason it's constantly changing the reason we're on the seventh iteration of our manual and it's probably a completely different course than than the first time we gave it is because when we learn new things we're open-minded and we're not afraid to be proven wrong if someone shows us a better way of doing something if someone proves us wrong i I think jordan peterson said a quote he said i'd rather learn than be right and that is so true it's like Mm -hmm. if you're looking for the objective truth of how best do you help people understand their bodies to fix their problems that is a very very that's like a very clear lighthouse, right? You have a good sense of direction. And you might you might um, shift direction. If the wind comes, your boat might veer offside, but you still see the lighthouse. You still know the direction you're going into, and that's a true lighthouse. Like, that is a good goal to go for, um, and it's objective, and you're open to be proven wrong, and I think that's very important. So, And taking good things from different different areas because it's not there's just also this weird thing is like oh that's you know this per it's these people's that's what those people do yeah. or that's what these people do um like we, we're we on the same page we're trying to help people and we're trying to find out what's the best yeah and, and it's just because like that group over there that team uses this method uh oh are we are we not allowed to use that now or like what everyone's borrowing from everybody like it, it's just something it's, it's a weird thing too yeah. we live in this thing um and i understand like if you that's the that's the big thing they they got across was is like you know give give people credit um, in in science give people credit mm-hmm. um, just back even from like plagiarism standpoint back in like which grade I, which school we agree with but it's, it's like, like these basic overarching principles uh, you know every single word you say do you have to refer <laughs> to a person that came up with it if I <laughs> if I had to give everybody credit for everything I did in every post I, I would probably have each post would probably have a list of like a hundred names because it's like okay that person <laughs> that person yeah. learned from that person they learned that from that person and. And then it was it was from this like it, it just you'd have to backtrack like hundreds of years in time to, to, to develop there. So it'd be like every post would probably take a week to research who yeah. who decided who. So it's like 
that doesn't make sense. So yeah. it, it's if someone took a picture and I'm using it, I'm going to say they took the picture. <laughs> exactly. But I'm not going to say where that train of thought started from because I would have to spend a month of research to find out the root of where that thought came from <laughs> and you know who who pared it down and distilled it to the point where it's what we're preaching. And you know, we, we all have parallel well, thoughts too. Yeah, like exactly, it's crazy. Like it, it's this weird thing. Like sometimes you, you'll get attacked for something and you say like, "Hey, you didn't quote so and so," and it's like. I didn't even, I don't even know who that is. Like, yeah. I, I didn't, like... I didn't learn it from them I also. Didn't I learn it from them. the same conclusion. I learned something in physical therapy school, or I, I came to that same conclusion when I was moved. Like, yeah. it's just this weird thing. I actually <laughs> got a message like like that last night on, on Instagram. You should have quoted so-and-so for this. I didn't even think of that person when I was doing this post. Yeah. But again, it, that's just that's just another topic for another day. Yeah. So, I mean... I think after today, no hypothesis, your feet function best barefoot. Let's be real. No one's ever had problem, had worsening problems long term. Mm-hmm. And I think whenever we say things, always please think that we're talking long term because to think anything else in Sustainable. healthcare is silly. Um, no one long term ever had way more problems by spending time barefoot. No. Taking your shoes off was never a bad thing for people long term. So no, exactly. <laughs> I hope we can all agree. No one on complains that. of that. Like the amount of people who come, people who actually buy into that. It's rare that you'll actually. I've never heard it. Like, yeah. no one ever said that. Oh, you know, after after spending two years like doing more barefoot stuff, barefoot training, getting like, my feet strong, using my feet better, using my feet more. No one's like, oh, that was a really bad idea. Yeah, said like, no one. Yeah, no, exactly. it was, it's just like this weird thing. It's like everyone's pretty, um, and, and it's all like it's like the same thing. It's like, well, after I started eating more naturally, um, you know, cutting out the processed stuff, eating like a, like more of a human. I felt better and it, like no one's going to complain. Like, yeah. It's just in multiple different fields. Uh, oh, after I started sleeping eight hours um, and, and getting the rest I need as a human, uh, you know, that was shit. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right, anyways. let's wrap this thing up. Thanks for listening guys. Hopefully that, you know, it wasn't too uh, confusing conversation and, you know, I think it's important to just have these discussion discussions and just talk about science because it's, if science is losing its, um, reputation, just like physical therapy is losing its reputation. And it's not throwing it out as something that's shitty. Uh, it's using it appropriately, using, uh, you know, this critical thinking skill in the background and this logical, rational um, kind of base of the pyramid with everything you're saying and everything you're evaluating. Um, and yeah, just using that to guide whether or not something is valid, not just reading the abstract conclusion of a research study and claiming it's true. So Use the tool well. D- yeah. Respect the tool of science. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing tool tool uh, that humans have created so it just we just need to make sure we respect it yeah. cool all right guys we'll see you next week bye